All right, what's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing? All right, so good to see all of you. If you're new, I want to say welcome. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And, um, you know, before we jump in, would you just join me in welcoming our other campuses that are watching you all over the state of New Jersey? Let's just welcome all of our campuses. We're so excited you guys are here with us. Those of you watching online as well. And we are uh, jumping into a brand new fall series, and the series is called I Am Jesus in His Own words. And so one of the things we like to say here at Liquid, maybe you're new, is that we believe that church is fun. Amen? Amen. But we're also serious about Jesus, right? We love Jesus because he has changed our lives. He's transformed us. He's given us hope in times of hopelessness. He's given us meaning and truth through his sacrifice, through his love. And so we are serious about Jesus. And so my prayer is that you actually encounter him while we go through this series, I Am. My, my prayer is that you meet Jesus and experience him maybe in a way you've never experienced him before. Because the truth is, there is a lot of confusion about Jesus all throughout our culture. Have you experienced that or seen that? You know, for instance, you know, like in the video, so some people believe that Jesus is a prophet. Uh, some people go, no, he's a, he's a good teacher. Others say, uh, you know, he's probably a heretic. Uh, some people even say, well, no, Jesus, you know, he was, he was a myth. He never existed. Others say, no, he existed. He was just a man. Others say, ah, you know, maybe he was just a martyr. He, he, he wanted to die for a good cause. But I really love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, uh, when you look to Jesus, there's really only three uh, kind of conclusions you can come up with. Either he is a liar, he is a lunatic, or he is who he says he is. He's actually the Lord. He's actually a God. And so often our perceptions of Jesus, just like the rest of the world, is kind of governed by just kind of the media we consume, kind of the culture we've grown up in. You know, for instance, we can kind of see things through like a Fox News Jesus kind of lens, right? Or an MSNBC Jesus lens, or a CNN lens, or a Cartoon Network Jesus lens, you know, something along those lines. It kind of shapes the way we see Jesus. But who is Jesus in his own words. Because we can look to culture and they'll tell us at least a bazillion different contradictory things about Jesus, but does Jesus actually say something about himself? He actually does. He doesn't just make one statement. He actually makes seven statements about who he is. They're called the I am statements. They're found in the Gospel of John. And we're actually going to explore some of these statements. We're not going to look at all of them. In fact, some of you, you might know what some of these statements are. For instance, Jesus goes out of his way and says, I am the bread of life. And that's what we're going to look at today, how Jesus sustains us, our deepest uh, soul cravings and desires. Jesus also refers to himself as the light of the world. He's the one who illuminates and guides us. Jesus also refers to himself as, says, I am the good shepherd. In fact, Pastor Tim is going to talk more about this next week, and he's hopefully going to explain this picture at the side screens because I'm a little disturbed. You know, here's my I am statement. I am speechless. So, you know, he'll talk about kissing sheep in that series there. Uh, then where Jesus would describe himself as I am the gate. You know, you can't come uh, to Jesus unless you go through him, and then he protects you and holds on to you and cares for you. Jesus also says that I am the resurrection and the life, meaning that one day we will all experience death, but death is not the end. Amen. We will one day be reunited with God. We will be reunited with loved ones that are gone. And then he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man can come to the Father except through Jesus. And then his last I am saying is this, I am the vine. I am the vine. Unless you abide in me, you cannot truly flourish the way you were made to flourish and live the life that you were made to live, a life of meaning and purpose and adventure. 
These I am statements are, are these visual and kind of jarring images uh, of Jesus trying to describe his personality and who he is and, and how we need to respond to him out of that. And, you know, some of these, you know, we're not going to go through all of them, but what we're going to do is we're going to kind of pick them up and look at them like a diamond, right? You know, when you look at a diamond, you kind of see all the different sides of it and all the different facets of it. And the reason is that we want to see how majestic and how beautiful and how powerful Jesus really is. And so we're going to explore the I am statements. Again, we're not going to go through all of them, but we're going to go through a few of them. The first one we're going to go through, actually, before we jump into it, why don't you come along with me to my kitchen? This is my kitchen. It's a I take it wherever I go. And so, you know, the first I am statement that Jesus makes is he says, I am the bread of life. Any bread fans in the room? Any of you guys like breads across our campuses? Yeah. Praise Jesus for carbs, right? Um, I know some of you are like, well, Nathan, it's the summer. I'm cutting my carbs. Hey, bad news. Summer is over. Um, and so now it's the time to get out the baggy sweatshirts, the baggy sweaters, right? You can hide the love handles that way, right? But you know, bread is a really simple food. It only really is two ingredients. It's, it's flour and it's water. And, you know, food scientists will tell you, if you just had a bag of flour and water on its own, you could survive a decent amount of time. But then something happens when you take the flour here and you combine it with the water. So let's kind of take a little bit of flour here and, and add it to our mixing bowl. Get a little bit of water here and, and pour it in. You see, if, if, if all you live on is just flour and water, you know, you'll survive for a decent amount of time. But if you combine the ingredients, something happens to it. It actually transforms into this dough, and you give it enough time, and it rises. Eventually, it'll become bread. And, it says, and these scientists will say that bread you can survive on indefinitely. In fact, bread throughout human culture has been a staple. It's been a constant. It's actually one of the, the most powerful forces that actually shape culture. Maybe you're thinking, bread? Like, how, how does that work? Because you don't have to live just on meat, right? You can survive without meat, but you can't survive without bread. Bread has been a staple throughout the history of the human race. In fact, whenever there is any kind of political instability that's happening around the world, it's usually because there's either a wheat or a bread shortage. Think about the Arab Spring. One of the, uh, the contributing factors to the Arab Spring was there was a wheat shortage in that part of the world. In the Middle East today, bread is still a central component of every meal. In fact, I was watching um, this documentary on Netflix about bread and its central importance and just learned a lot of really interesting things. In fact, why don't we watch this clip from Morocco? Take a look. The breakfast we could start by honey, butter, olive oil, tea, and bread. Every meal we eat bread. Sacred food. You could see that. Bread is hugely important to many cultures. In fact, in Morocco, it's forbidden to take a knife to bread because it is considered too violent an act. The word bread is also the word for life. Isn't that fascinating? In the Middle East today, bread is seen as sacred. It's, it's the center of every meal. In fact, bread equals life. Bread is life. You know, in America, we're trying to cut the carbs. We're trying to get rid of the bread. But there's parts of the world where bread is really seen as the center of everything. It holds it all together. So when Jesus goes to his own people and says, guys, I am the bread of life, 
it means so much more because it really means it's like this one kind of cohesive element that kind of centrifies and brings everything together that everything is centered around. Jesus is making this radical claim about himself that we're going to go a little bit deeper into by looking in John chapter 6, verses 26 to 40. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to John 6, 26 to 40. And as you turn there, uh, let me give you a little bit of a setup of what, kind of what's going on there. If you have it on your phone or you can follow along in the sermon notes. Uh, in chapter 6, you find Jesus kind of teaching at the Sea of Galilee. Thousands of people have gathered to hear Jesus teach. He's a master teacher. So he's there, he's teaching, and it's getting late. The people don't have time to go back to their homes. And so Jesus decides to feed them. And so he finds uh, one of the kids there has, like a, has his Lunchables, right? And so Jesus takes his Lunchables, he blesses it, and he multiplies it. And he's able to feed thousands and thousands of people with this little bit of food. And so these people are like, man, I really like Jesus. Because come on, who doesn't like a free lunch? Am I right? And so they're all excited, and when Jesus kind of separates himself from them and he leaves because he needs some space to go see God, some alone time, the people start to stalk him. They start to follow him, and eventually they, they catch him again, and then Jesus kind of confronts them, and he calls them out, and he says this, looking at verse 26, it says, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus is saying this, guys, listen, I know why you're here. I know why you're following me. It's not because you see me as I am. You see me as your meal ticket. You know that you know, I made this food and that's what you want. But guys, food is just not enough. You need more for your soul than just what's going to feed and satisfy your bodies. And Jesus goes on and says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So then Jesus kind of asks this question, guys, do you want to strive for what's eternal? What's going to satisfy you, not just today or tomorrow, but for all eternity? Or are you going to strive for stuff that's going to spoil? Bread that goes bad. You guys ever encounter bad bread? Like, it's not fun, right? Like, you want to make a sandwich, and so you go, you know, for single guys, right, you open up your fridge, you pull out a sandwich, and you're like, oh, you got this moldy, mealy kind of stuff, and it's got hair on it, and it's white. It's like, oh, gross. I know some of you guys are like, well, what's the problem? You just take it, you cut out all the moldy parts, and you eat the rest. Bro, that's why you're still single, okay? Just, just throw out the bread, okay? So Jesus is kind of asking this question, guys, do you want something that's going to last forever, or something that's just going to be temporary. And for the people, they aren't making the connection between the physical and the spiritual. They just, want to, they just want to get fed. They're hungry. They're in extreme poverty. They're being oppressed. And so they kind of say this back to Jesus. They say in the next verse, you must show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What will you do for us? What will you do for us? So essentially, the people are saying, listen, Jesus, this is all great, this whole bread of heaven stuff, but here's the deal. Here's what I want to know. Bottom line, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me, Jesus? What's in this for me? Are you going to feed me, Jesus? Are you going to provide plenty of food? Are you going to make me healthy, Jesus? Are you going to make me wealthy? Are you going to take care of my kids? Are you going to take care of my car? Are you going to give me everything that I want? Because if, if you are Jesus, then we're good. If not, I'm out. And it's kind of this approach to God. I like to call it like the slot machine approach to Jesus. You ever go to AC and you hit the slot machines, right? You put the, the coins in and you're hoping for a big payout. So, so it's sort of this idea, well, if I, if I put coins in of prayer and worship, then God's going to give me a happy life. That's really what I want. 
And we start to have this view of God that's very transactional. I'll do this and God will do that. We serve the God that best serves us. But that's not Christianity. That's not a spirituality that's hardy and robust. It's a spirituality that's weak. It's a spirituality that's broken. It's anemic. It's, um, what's a good way to describe it? I don't know. It's, uh, oh, I know. You guys see this? What's this? On the count of three. One, two, three. It's Wonder Bread. Yes. A Wonder Bread spirituality. Who grew up on Wonder Bread? Like your mom and dad would pack Wonder Bread for you. Yeah, it's, Wonder Bread's great, right? Let's go back to the kitchen. Like Wonder Bread is awesome. Like, you know, you put some bologna on it, some cheese. You'd eat it. It sticks to the roof of your mouth. Scrape it out, right? Wonder Bread. See, Wonder Bread was a game changer, actually, in the history of bread. Because for a long time, bread took a long time to make. But with Wonder Bread and refined flour, you could get all these loaves that would happen really quickly. So in America, when white bread and Wonder Bread hit the shelves, people loved it. And they were eating it in great amounts. But, when the, but what they found was people were actually getting sick from eating the Wonder Bread. Because what they realized was that when you make Wonder Bread and you refine the flour, you take out all the stuff in bread that's nutritious. You take out all the stuff like the wheat and, and, and all the stuff that's life-giving. It has all the vitamins in it. And, and soon people were getting sick. In fact, a lot of doctors say that the reason why we've seen such a spike in kind of gluten allergies and, and gluten intolerance was because of the process we've used in making bread. And, and so Wonder Bread, in fact, you know, in the short term it's delicious, but you know, it has some really bad long-term effects. But can I just be honest with you guys? I love Wonder Bread. It's so... It's so good. It's like eating a pillow, right? It's like the chemicals inside keep it moist. It is, it is the perfect food. You know, who's had a grilled cheese on Wonder Bread, right? Grilled cheese, oh, so good, right? Some of you are like, I want, I want it right now, right? And you know what's so great about Wonder Bread? You know, you have your grilled cheese and it, and it fills you up and then you can just use it as a pillow, right? You can use the loaf, you can, oh, because Wonder Bread makes you want to fall asleep. And guys, I know that it's like kind of smushy, but in a little bit, it's going to raise right back up because that's how powerful Wonder Bread is. It's like a Twinkie, right? In the moment, it's delicious. But then later, you realize, well, there's really no nutritional value to it. It's delicious, but it's not nutritious. And that's the thing about Wonder Bread. It'll fill you up. You can eat this whole loaf. And, but then afterwards, you're like, man, I know I ate all this Wonder Bread, but I don't feel satisfied. Do you ever feel that way, that life is sometimes like you're filling your life up with Wonder Bread? And it's filling, it keeps you busy, but it doesn't really fully satisfy you. You're still kind of going, oh, I'm still a little hungry. You see, we, we live in a culture that gives us all these messages of what it means to be successful. In fact, uh, one of the messages that we have is we need to aspire to acquire. Aspire to acquire. You want, you want to know what the ingredients are to a happy life? Well, if I have a nice house, if I have a nice car, if I have an attractive spouse or partner, yeah, all of those things are going, to make, are going to make me have a really happy, great life. So we mix it all together, we put it in the oven, and out comes a happy life. And many of you, you've achieved all those things. But you also know that life that's happy isn't quite all it's cracked up to be because now you're like, man, I want a bigger house. I want a nicer car. I want a more attractive spouse. And on and on it goes because we're full, but we're not satisfied. The Wonder Bread's been delicious, but it hasn't been nutritious. It leaves us hung hungering for something that's hearty, that's robust, that's nourishing in the life and the lives that we lead. I mean, that's exactly what James Hetfield discovered. James Hetfield is the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, a band called Metallica. Uh, all right, thank you. 
They're one of the biggest bands in the 80s and the 90s, and uh, they, were, they had a nickname when they went on tour, and that nickname was Alcoholica, because they could drink like it was no one's business, and especially James, the lead singer. He was this fiery singer, um, and you know, one day they were having like a business meeting, and it got really, really ugly, and, and so James actually got up, stormed out, slammed the door, and checked himself into rehab. And while in rehab, he's kind of taking stock of his life and trying to figure out, you know, uh, why things aren't kind of flowing the way yet. And he realized that he had his full of everything, but it hadn't satisfied him. In fact, this is what he says in his own words. He says this, it was so predictable, so boring. I'm out there looking for excitement and it's all the same. I wake up next, the next day in some place, in some bed, and some person is next to me and I'm drunk, completely hungover and I have a show to do, and the result is the same. So here's an example of a guy who, he's had his fill of everything. Money, women, alcohol, drugs, fast cars, you name it, anything that you'd ever want, he's had. And he says, you know, it's just not full. It's, it's Wonder Bread. It doesn't satisfy. And I wonder, what's your Wonder Bread? What is it that you think that you need to have to make your life complete? What is it that you think you need to have so that you are full? What is it that you think you have that's really going to satisfy you? Because the truth of the matter is, Wonder Bread living isn't going to satisfy your deepest yearnings. And that's what the people Jesus was speaking to were about to find out. They came to Jesus because they wanted the Wonder Bread. They, they wanted to fill their bellies up with it. But Jesus is pushing back on them saying, Guys, you can't live on Wonder Bread. And so Jesus says this to them in the next verse, in verse 30, he says, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Guys, this wonder bread, I know you like it, but it's temporary. It's not going to satisfy you into eternity. It's good for maybe today, but it's going to rot, it's going to spoil. The bread I'm going to give you, it's going to be good for today, it's going to be good for tomorrow, and next week, and the week after, and the month after, the year after. This is the kind of bread that's going to satisfy the deepest desires of your soul. And when the people hear that, they respond to Jesus by saying this, sir, they said, always give us this bread. And this is the moment where Jesus is about to kind of pull back the curtain and show them who he really is. And he says this next phrase, in fact, I want us to say this phrase together. He says this, I am the bread of life. Let's say that one more time. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, this is how we know that Jesus isn't just talking about physical bread. He's talking about a kind of bread that's going to fulfill us more than wonder bread. Not just something that's going to be delicious but not nutritious, but something that's hearty, something that's robust, something that's going to be able to stay with us in the most difficult, painful times of our lives, in the best times of our lives, but in the end is going to take us into eternity. It's going to nourish and satisfy us, not just today, but into all eternity. And so Jesus makes this promise, is I am the bread of life. Structure your life around me, center your life around me. And here's the promise. Here's the promise in verse 40. It says this, all who see his son, that's Jesus, and believe in him should have what? Eternal life. I will raise them up at the last days. You guys realize a steady diet of wonder bread still doesn't deal with the biggest problem we'll always have. We'll always get hungry again and we'll one day die. But Jesus says, if you come to me, who is the bread of life, you may taste death. 
but it's just going to be a bad aftertaste because it's not the end. Because I am the resurrection and the life. Eat the stuff that's going to last forever. Eat the stuff that's going to fill you up, not just today and tomorrow, but actually for all eternity. That's why, guys, the symbol of bread is so powerful. The, the symbol of bread that Jesus is talking to his first century speakers really resonates with them. But not only that, there's something that's incredible about bread. Not only does this feed people indefinitely, it transforms. There's something transformative about bread. It starts out as this kind of sticky, gooey batter, but it's transformed into dough. And the dough, it's more consistent than the batter. And you can knead the dough, and you can work with the dough, and something happens with the dough as you work on it. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. It gets bigger and bigger. And then you put this dough in the oven, and it's transformed again into something that gives life, into bread. See, what's so miraculous about bread is it goes from something that can't nourish you into something that can nourish you. It goes from something that's a little bit of food to something that can feed an entire family. That, that's the miracle of bread. So when Jesus says that I am the bread of life, I am something that can nourish you in a way that nothing else can. We may look at Jesus and maybe we see, oh, he's just like some homeless Palestinian Jew. But Jesus says, no, I'm more than that. I am the God of creation, amen? I am the God that was there in the beginning. I was the God that formed you in your mother's womb. I am the God that knows you better than you know yourself. And I know what you like to eat. I know what's going to feed you at a soul level. I am the bread of life. That's who Jesus is. See, he doesn't want to just give us something that's delicious, but not nutritious. He wants us to feed on him. So what does that look like? How do we actually do that? Well, you know, for me, I know that the wonder bread that I love to eat is people-pleasing. I just love it when people like me and people say nice things about me. I like to avoid conflict. I like to kind of make things kind of move along. But a couple of years ago, I was in a work situation where I had to confront a coworker. And I was eating the Wonder Bread of, I like his approval, we have fun, we're friends. And I felt like this would change it if I actually, you know, confronted him. And so as I was kind of like working through this, I started to look at Jesus. Okay, if Jesus is the bread of life, if I need to get my sustenance and my satisfaction and sustainment from him, what does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus has already decided that he loves me. He accepts me. He, he, he nourishes me. And so no matter what happens with this, uh, with this conf confrontation or this conversation, Jesus never changes his view of me. He still loves me and accepts me. He gives me more of himself. And so I was able to have the courage to have that conversation and move forward because Jesus still loves me. He's going to take care of me and provide my needs. So I don't need to be afraid of man. I don't need to be a, a people pleaser. You know, a few years ago, I had a friend of mine who was uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And it is the most aggressive type of cancer. He was literally diagnosed in October. He was gone by Christmas. I remember going to meet up with him uh, just to kind of encourage him. But, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't know what to say. I was really young at the time. And so I, I just said, Mike, how, how are you doing right now? Like, what's going on? He said, Nathan, I'm blessed. Like, you're blessed? Yeah, I'm blessed. I, I look around and I'm so blessed uh, because of my family. I'm so blessed because of the church family that's coming around me. I'm so blessed because of this deep, deep peace that I have in Jesus, that I know I can trust him. 
I know that he's taking care of me. I, I know that, that one day in a blink of an eye, I'm going to fall asleep and fall into his arms for all eternity. I remember thinking I was just walking out of there. There's a guy who's found his satisfaction in the bread of life. His soul is that deep, deep satisfaction in Jesus. I feel like I learned more from him. That's how we feed on the bread of life. Rather than feeding on the wonder bread of people-pleasing, of aspiring to acquire, what if we learn to draw our strength from the bread of life, our sustenance, our nutrients from him, so that we can weather any and every storm, so that we can feed on the bread that's not going to sustain us just in this life, but also in the life to come. And that leaves us with a choice. We can either choose to keep living by our wonder bread, kind of spirituality where, you know, we're going to serve God if he serves us. Uh, we want him to kind of fill our own pet needs. Or we can choose a bread that's going to last forever. You see, the thing about wonder bread is, you know, it's, it's delicious, right? It's yummy. It's like a pillow. But it's not nutritious. And if you eat a steady diet of wonder bread, it'll kill you. Or will you choose the bread of life? It's been handmade by the God who wants to fill you, who wants to serve you, who wants to love you, who has accepted you and has received you into his family and wants to continue to nourish you. Who's hungry? Who's hungry for the bread of life? See, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his friends, and they're sitting at the table, and Jesus picks up the bread, and he says, guys, I know this is bread, but it's not just bread. This is a symbol of something greater. Guys, later today, this bread, which is going to symbolize my body, is going to be broken for you. And through my brokenness, you will find deep, deep spiritual nourishment. Through my death, you will find life. Through my sacrifice, you will find home. And after he breaks the bread and he shares it with his disciples, he picks up the cup of wine and he says, drink this. This symbolizes my blood. It's going to be shed for you so you can finally be in a right relationship with God. Drink. And that night, as Jesus has having his final meal with his disciples, he said, guys, do this often. And every time you do this, I want you to remember me. Remember what, what I'm doing for you. Remember how I am the bread of life, how I am providing for you, how I am sacrificing my life so you could have life for all eternity. But then I want you to remember, too, it's not the end of the story. I want you to remember that I will rise again and I'm going to come back. You guys understand that, church? Jesus is going to come back, amen? And when he comes back, he's going to erase hatred. He's going to erase racism. He's going to erase bigotry. There will be no more floods or earthquakes or famines. He's going to set this broken, shattered world right because he is the bread of life. 
In a moment, we are going to celebrate communion across all of our campuses. We are going to come forward and symbolically receive the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Jesus to remember that we don't feed on wonder bread. We feed on a wonderful Savior who gave his life for us. Let's pray together. Spirit of God, would you just come right now? I just want to invite you, Lord, to to do what only you can do. We come before you, God, and you transform us from the inside out. You change us, God. I pray that at this moment we would receive our nourishment from the great I am. The one who says that he is the bread of life. Would you speak deeply into our hearts? Would you nourish the deepest hungers that we have? May we not look to people or things or experiences, but look to you, Jesus, the bread of life. In Jesus' name, amen.